fellow ink drinkers, and welcome back to the Blind Girls Book Talk podcast. Aria, my sister's name is Belle, and we would like to welcome you to today's bonus episode of the podcast. So today, of course, is Christmas Day. So for all of you out there who celebrate Christmas, Belle and I would like to wish you a Merry Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas, hope you're having a wonderful holiday season of whatever holiday that you celebrate. And if you don't celebrate any holidays, well, we hope that you are having a good day in general. So today what the bonus episode is, is a bit of a another tipsy, bad retelling situation. So let me explain. When Belle and I recorded the Christmas Carol episode, we actually had planned to do three different Charles Dickens Christmas stories. However, I was having a hard time editing it down because I thought a lot of my drunk ramblings were very amusing. So because of that, what I decided to do is I decided to split out the other two stories from the original episode and put them into their own bonus episode instead. The two stories that we are going to be covering are Charles Dickens' The Goblins Who Steal a Sexton at Christmas, and then we are also going to be covering A Cricket on the Hearth. Of course, as with all bad retellings, spoiler warnings, spoiler alerts, and of course, as we stated in the previous tipsy retelling, We are of legal age. If you're of age and you're going to have a beverage along with us, feel free to, but drink responsibly. Don't drink and drive, all that kind of stuff. So without further ado, welcome to another Tipsy Bad Retelling. It's okay. We'll move on. Okay, so the next one, the goblins, they steal a sextant at Christmas. Now that sounds real wrong, (laughs) but I looked it up, guys. Guess what a sextant is? Okay, they're like a grave digger. They're like a church caretaker slash grave digger. That's what they are. Know this? No, because I thought it was like a thing that you put on a ship to like look at stars or something. Well, I mean, yeah, that's also a sextant. Yeah, so I was really confused. I'm like, why are we talking about goblins stealing a thing that should be on a ship? And then there's like some dude already in the beginning. Like, I was real confused. (laughs) But I looked it up so I could understand. See, this is what you do, guys. You look up things so you can understand. You need to not give life advice when you're tipsy. (laughs) I give the best life advice when I'm tipsy. Oh, boy. Anyway, anyway, okay, okay, the story. So there's a dude. He's a sexton, obviously, and his name is Gabriel Grubb. Now, that's a real weird name, but like we'll go with it because Dickens was probably drunk when he named him. So so Gabriel Grubb, he's kind of like Scrooge. Like he just he doesn't like fun things. He doesn't like people being happy. He's just kind of like he's real upset. And he has to go out and dig a grave on Christmas Eve because I guess somebody died. Nobody really says why, but he's like adamant that he has to get this grave dug. And so 
I don't know where he's living, but like he's living somewhere else that's not the church. And so he like goes walking through the town and he sees some little boys being all excited about Christmas. And he's like, bah humbug. But he doesn't actually say that. But that's what he's like. And then there's a little boy who's like singing Christmas carols. And he like hits him upside the head with a lantern. And that's real rude. But like, I don't think that's well, I guess that is kind of the point. But anyway, so Lantern Kid like has a concussion and Gabriel Grubb is super happy that he gave Lantern Kid a concussion. I think that's how that goes. Anyway. Oh, he also like is walking around thinking about like chicken pox and stuff because he doesn't want to be happy. Anyway, so he finally gets to the graveyard and he gets to the graveyard and he starts digging this grave and he's just like, la-di-da, I'm drinking alcohol and digging a grave and... You know, I'm living my life and having the best Christmas I can, which to each his own. But like, that's real weird. But anyway, so as he he's like finally getting close to being done with this grave and he crawls out to like take a break. And all of a sudden he's like talking to himself. And then all of a sudden somebody answers him and he's just like, what? And he looks up and there's like this goblin dude just sitting on a gravestone. And Gabriel Grubb's like, who? are you and the dude like doesn't answer and the dude is pretty much saying like who's a jerk and a bunch of (laughs) voices are calling gabriel grubb who do we want to kill gabriel grubb (laughs) and then all of a sudden a bunch of goblins come streaming out of the church because apparently they're not like demons that can't be on holy ground they they can and they come streaming out of this church and they're playing hop frog with each other and with the graves and they're like dancing and having a good time. And Gabriel Grubb's freaking out. Like he's having a bad time. And <laughs> well, I would assume he's having a bad time. <laughs> and the and the, the main goblin who was like talking, apparently he's the king, but like there he's not wearing a crown, so like it's very confusing. But anyway, so finally, the Goblin King is like, who are we dragging off to our lair? And they're like, Gabriel Grubb. And they like grab him and they like pull him, I think maybe into the dug grave. Who knows? But like, or they teleport. I think they teleport, actually. I think that's what happens. And so they teleport to the Goblin Lair, which is like this cave. And the Goblin King is just like... Dude, I'm going to fix you because I'm going to. And Gabriel Grubb is like, what are you talking about? And so the Goblin King starts, somehow he makes this magical smoke. In my head, he makes magical smoke by smoking something. But like, not really. I think he just like throws some crystals up in the air and like it makes smoke. And in this magic smoke, it shows Gabriel Grubb all the like the best things of humanity. That Gabriel Grubb is just like, I don't want anything to deal with it. And when Gabriel Grubb is just like, I know I don't think that's a good thing. All the goblins kick him in the head. So like he probably has a concussion. But <laughs> regardless. Oh, I think they kick him in the shoulders too. But he probably has a concussion. And so the Goblin King just keeps showing him all this good stuff. And finally, Gabriel Grubb is like, you know what? You're right. It's good stuff. They brainwash him, essentially. So then Gabriel Grubb wakes up. And Gabriel Grubb wakes up and he was outside the whole time in the cold. Like, and he had an empty bottle of alcohol by him and his shovel on the other side. And he's just like, 
did that really happen? Did I just dream all that? And he's really sore in his sol- soldiers, in his shoulders <laughs> and his head. And he's just like, no, that really happened. I can feel their kicks. And I'm like, no, dude, like you dug a grave in the frosty winter ground and um, you're probably sore. And it was probably all a dream, but that's OK. Like you do you. If it makes you a better person, I'm not going to take that away from you. And so he runs off into the distance, never to be seen again. Until he's like 90 and has like glaucoma and comes, <laughs> and comes back and it's just like this happened to me. But he was like a living legend for like a hot minute because nobody knew what happened to him. He just like disappeared and everybody's like, what happened to him? Also, in the beginning of the story, when they were talking about Sextons, they were talking about another Sexton who like he he was mute, but he liked to sing. And I have questions. <laughs> but anyway, that's not. <laughs> The point here. The point is Gabriel Grubb changed and that's good for him, even though he was probably drunk. The end. Okay, here's an actual kind of short summary of the goblin who stole a sexton. At Christmas. Yep. So it takes a lot of inspiration from the Christmas Carol. Dickens kind of put the two hand in hand. So it is about a gravedigger that hates Christmas, gets kidnapped by goblins while digging a grave, and then they help him get into the Christmas spirit. Yes, I just said that. <laughs> That's what I said. Uh huh. Sure, sweetie. Okay. Well, anyway, so that was that one. I didn't like that one as much because, like, Scrooge is I- iconic. Gabriel Grubbs like a wannabe, and like you know, we just don't like him. Yeah. He doesn't go here. <laughs> he doesn't go here? No. Okay. So so last one. Now now the last one's cricket on the hearth. Now this one is like one of Belle's favorites and like I wanted to read it. I really did. <laughs> but um I tried reading it and I got halfway through the first chirp or the first cheep or the first chime. I don't know how those chapters, because it's like long. It's like 100 pages, guys. Like, that's way too much Dickens for me. (laughs) That's way too much Dickens for me. Yes. So I tried reading it. It didn't go well. I got real bored, and I couldn't focus. Instead, I looked at a synopsis. And so here's a bad retelling of a cricket on the hearth. So apparently there's this lady whose name is Mrs. Periwinkle. And she's married to Mr. Periwinkle and she's like in her house and she hears the cricket chirping on the hearth and is just like, oh, that's real nice. That's good luck. And like two seconds later, her husband comes home and her husband's name is John. And John is like, howdy ho, wife. And she's like, howdy ho, husband. And her husband's carrying a baby and is just like, here's the baby. I think he bought the baby. (laughs) You think he bought a baby? Yes. It's because she didn't talk about being pregnant or like having a baby or like being sick about having a baby or like being like any way like sad about having a baby. Like she was just all howdy ho, husband mine. And he was just like howdy ho, wife mine. Here's a baby. (laughs) Here's a baby. Uh huh. Well, they even said that they didn't know where the baby came from. So I think what synopsis did you read? <laughs> no, that's in the book itself. 
It says, I don't know where this baby came from. <laughs> anyway, anyway, oh not boy. the point, not the point. So they have this baby and John is just like, oh, yay. We have a baby. And they also have a nurse. I forget her name, but she's like super skinny and like everybody feels bad for her. But anyway, he also brought home a wedding cake for like these toy makers that they know. And like, I'm real confused about the toy makers because it makes it seem like they get married, but it also seems like it's two guys. So like, I'm pretty sure gay relationships didn't really fit in Dickens's time. But like, if they did, I'm all for it. Like, (laughs) let them be gay, you know? (laughs) Not that one again. Oh, please stop with that line. Please. I thought you uttering it once. It's <laughs> enough. Anyway. Anyway. So anyway, so there's these toy makers. I don't know what they do to the story. I don't think they do anything to it. And then <clears throat> apparently some old person, a little old lady, comes and stays with the periwinkles. And <laughs> the periwinkles are like, we don't have much, but sure, you can come into our home. Periwinkles? <laughs> Yes, that's their name. (laughs) You missed it earlier. Anyway, so then I think that's like all that happens in the first chapter, maybe. Who knows? Then after that, essentially the major thing that happened is that somebody saw Dot, which is Mrs. Periwinkle, with like a younger dude and tells John like hey I think your wife's having an affair and John's like real upset about that because he actually kind of loves Mrs. Periwinkle but like you know and so he just essentially tells her that um or he he decides that he's gonna divorce her that's what happens and then on the on the third, well, I don't know if it's actually the third because the synopsis didn't break it up by the cheeps or the chirps or the whatever the titles are. Anyway, so then essentially they find out that she's not seeing somebody else. And um, I don't know who the dude was that she was talking to, but apparently it was the little old lady in disguise. Like the little old lady was disguised as a dude, which was their friend like the whole time. I guess, which is real weird, but like, whatever. And so the dude is just like, yeah, no, your, your wife's not sleeping around. You don't have to divorce her. And John's super happy about this. And Mrs. Periwinkle is super happy about this. And that's the end. (laughs) That's the end. Yep. Um, I think you missed a lot. I'm super confused. Uh, Yeah, I, I can tell. So you got John, a carrier who lives with his young wife, Dot, their baby boy, and their nanny. A cricket chirps on the hearth, acts as a guardian angel for the family. One day, a mysterious elderly stranger comes to visit. I said a little old lady. Well, elderly stranger. (sighs) Comes to visit and takes up lodging at their house for a few days. So... Their life eventually intersects with Caleb Plummer, a point toy maker employed by the miser, Mr. Tackleton. Caleb has a blind daughter, Bertha, and a son, Edward, who traveled to South America and is thought to be dead. But who's getting married? Because they bought a wedding cake. (laughs) Okay, okay, hold on, I'm getting to that. Calm down. 
The miser Tackleton is now on the eve of marrying Edward's sweetheart, May, but she does not love Tackleton. Okay, but I actually want the miser to marry the toy maker. I ship this. <laughs> Tackleton tells John that his wife Dot cheated on him and shows him a Candlestein scene in which Dot embraces a mysterious lodger, the latter who is in disguise as a much younger man than he seems. John is cut to the heart over this as he loves his wife dearly but decides after some deliberation to relieve his wife of their marriage contract yeah he was gonna divorce her i said that (laughs) in the end the mysterious lodger is revealed to be none other than edward who has returned home in disguise dot shows that she has indeed been faithful to john edward marries may hours before she is scheduled to marry tackleton However, Tackleton's heart is melted by the festive cheer, similar to Ebenezer Scrooge. Okay, but in real life, and that's he surrenders the May to her true love. In real life, that's the Wikipedia thing that I read. <laughs> so wait, who is the man that she was with? Who was Dot with? It was Edward. Wait, what? Aww. Try that one more time. Run that just that part by me one more time. Dot went to see some dude, and they thought she was cheating on on Mr. Periwinkle. Mm-hmm. Who was she seeing? It was Edward. But Edward was the little old lady. <laughs> Edward was an elderly stranger. <laughs> but hold on. <laughs> Calm down. Was an elderly stranger. And then when... He finally decides to come out of disguise and tell Dot the truth. That was the mysterious young man. That makes no sense. (laughs) It actually does. No. No. Because she knows Edward, I think. Maybe. (laughs) No, sweetie. This story broke my spirit. You break my spirit. I don't like this one. I was really confused with the cartoon, too. The cartoon's confusing. The cartoon isn't as confusing as the story. The cartoon has less characters. But but the wedding cake. And the okay, alright. It's official. The the toy maker marries the miser, and that's how the story ends. That is not how the story ends. That's in my version. (laughs) Okay. Hello, fellow ink drinkers. Editing Aria here. So I'm here to close out the episode today. We hope that you enjoyed these tipsy, bad retellings of Charles Dickens Christmas stories. If you liked this, please consider following the podcast or sharing the episode with your friends. We would really appreciate that as it would help us to grow the show. And then next time is another bonus episode. And so we will see you guys next time then. Bye.